Well, church, as you're having a seat, if you have a copy of the scriptures, if you would grab and open to Matthew chapter 1, where we just had our reading, and we are going to um, talk some more about Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and the joy that we have in the fact that God has come down to be with us, that he's with us. Um, Man, I could just like, let's go open presents tomorrow morning after seeing those kids sing. Amen. That was amazing. It's like, I'm ready for Christmas. It's, it's like, it's upon us now. Kids with glow up light necklaces and singing beautiful songs. It's just, I almost couldn't come up here. I was trying to fight back the tears. It was beautiful. Um, but here we are. You got me. So um, let me read this part again, verse 23, and then we're going to dive in and we won't be too long this morning. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, this is a quotation from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. So this, is, uh, this was written about seven, these words, this prophecy was written about 700 years before the birth of Christ. And, and this, this prophecy was spoken about a miracle boy who would be born. And so there was anticipation of one to come, one that would take away sin, one that would be God with us, not just God over us up in the heavens, but God, he was coming, this royal son to be with us, this Messiah. And this ancient prophecy said that he would come down and prove to us once and for all that God had not forgotten about us. That God hadn't left us to figure out life and reality on our own, but that this prophecy was coming, and it was coming to be fulfilled through a boy that would be born that would prove to us once and for all that God himself was with us, that he was with us. And so God came in that way. He has not forgotten about us. God himself would be with us in the sense that he would even, uh, in the context of this prophecy, that he would go before us in our battles, right? That he would, he, would fa- he would be the face, he would be our advocate, he would be our defender, he would be our shield when, when foes were coming against us, there, there was someone coming that would be for us and with us. And when you look at the context of this promised one, of this royal son that was born, he would be uh, our defender in battle. It's this great promise. He would fight for us. What joy that produces. That there was someone coming that would be our shield when we did not have one, when we had no defenses, when we were lost in our sin, when we couldn't find our way in the darkness. God himself said, I'm bringing you the light. I'm bringing you the defender. I'm bringing you a shield where you did not have one. And so this prophecy is spoke of this promised Messiah, this royal son that would catch this, be with you personally, personally. Not just figuratively, not just like a warm feeling, but that this one that would come that would be with you personally. That's amazing. So church, what does that mean for us today? What does it mean for you this Christmas, 2019? Uh, It means, and this is big, this is huge, we forget it so often, especially during this season. It means you're not alone if you're in Christ. It means you are not alone. That he is with you personally. 
in your present reality. God himself, the maker of the heavens and the earth, is with you and I in Christ Jesus. That's a profound thought. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul knew this. He felt this. He understood this. And listen to this. As the Apostle Paul writes in the New Testament, he's recounting something that happened to him. It was this very intense moment in his life. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 through 18 uh, the Apostle Paul's recounting an event, and he says this, at my first defense, and so here's what's happening. The Apostle Paul is standing in court. He's facing trial in Rome, and Caesar is on his throne, probably sitting maybe 10 or 15 feet away from the Apostle Paul. Paul is in chains. The court is gathered there. Scribes are taking notes about this case that's coming against Paul for preaching the risen Christ, that he is with him, that he indeed is Lord and Savior. Everything is on the line for the Apostle Paul. All that he's been preaching, all that he's been teaching people about the Lord Jesus, his life is in fact on the line as he's in chains, standing in front of the Caesar. Can you imagine this moment? And listen how Paul describes it. At my first defense, he says, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. So Paul says, as he's recounting this moment of great need in his life, he says, my day of greatest need, everyone just left me. They abandoned me. They fled. They were afraid. They were afraid of the Caesar. They were afraid of the power of Rome and the message of the gospel. They all just left me. In my most significant moment, it was just too much for them to handle. Maybe you felt that way. Maybe you feel that way right now. You're like, I just, I feel alone. In my moment of great need, I don't feel like people are showing up around me. You're what seems like this stressful situation, maybe a hurtful moment, maybe hurtful relationships, and you're looking up and you're saying, where is everyone? I don't know if you've ever been there, but I have, and Paul was right there. But listen to what he says. This is amazing. So my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. Listen to this. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. The Lord stood by me and the Lord strengthened me. And so here Paul is standing, explaining his life to the king to the Caesar, explaining why there's no need to execute him. And his friends who were once with them are nowhere to be found. They've all chickened out. He's alone, but in that very moment, Paul realizes something. He knows something. He feels something. He says, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. He feels a presence as he's standing before the most powerful man in the world. About to... Uh, sentence him to some fate that he has no control over. He realizes in this very moment, the apostle Paul, the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, when no one else feels near, when no one else is even tangibly near, that the risen Christ is present in that very moment, right there with him in his greatest moment of need. And it says that he's not just there, but he's actually strengthening him. He feels this. He's not alone. He's strengthening me, he says. The Lord Jesus is with me. Church, this is Christianity. 
This is Christianity. In, in Jesus, God comes down to be with us. This promise fulfilled in Matthew. When everything else is against us, the apostle Paul knew it. Standing at the face of the most powerful man in the world, everything seems to be coming and crashing down against him. The apostle Paul stands and says, the Lord is with me. He's strengthening me. He has not forgotten me. He has not abandoned me because a royal son was born. Emmanuel, God with us. The apostle Paul felt it in that most significant moment. He's, a, he's with us when everything else seems against us, church. That's the good news of Christmas. He's with us even when our own sin is against us. In that very place, Jesus comes to us. And so that ancient prophecy in Isaiah helps us see that everything about Jesus comes to one focal point in these three simple but profound words. The most amazing sermon wrapped up in three words that are so profound and so pervasive, God with us. The birth of Jesus means that God is not our enemy. He has not forgotten you. He is our ally. The birth of Jesus means that he is not our attacker. He's not someone up with a magnifying glass up in heaven trying to get the right angles just to send you a little bit. He's not your attacker. He's our defender. He watches out for you. Did you know that about 118 times in the scriptures... In the Bible, one of the most consistent themes that you can find is this very idea of God being with us. God being personally with us, with you, with me. Listen to this and let this sink in. It's all over the scriptures, even starting at the very beginning. Genesis chapter 6, God's word says, I will be with you and bless you. Genesis 28, I am with you. And will keep you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9, do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You cannot escape him. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Psalm 46, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Isaiah 41, fear not, I am with you. Deuteronomy 31, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For the Lord God is your God who goes with you. And he will not leave you and he will not forsake you. Matthew 28, Jesus looking at his disciples at the very end before he goes to be with the Father in heaven. He says, behold, remember latch onto this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hebrews 13, I will never leave you or forsake you. In fact, the entire Bible concludes with this statement at the very end, Revelation 21. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And he will be their God, and he will wipe away every tear. The gospel, church, is a promise that through Jesus, despite everything that is against us, 
in our world, our sin, our fear, our anxiety, despite everything, despite everything we deserve because of our sin, because of our failings, because we never measured up, Christmas says that Jesus has come to be with us in that very place and did what we could never do. He came to be with us forever. And so when you hear that name, Emmanuel, especially this Christmas, it means that whatever battle you're walking into, whatever battle you are currently in right now, uh, know this. God is not leaving you to yourself. He has not left you to fight it alone. God is not saying, okay, good luck. I did my thing long ago. Now you figure out your thing. He is with you now, right now. And he will do battle for you where we cannot even begin to imagine. That's true love. When everything's on the line and we need a mighty friend and we need an ally, God says, it's me. That's me. And he proved it at Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about. And church, when that sinks into our hearts, um, we don't have to win every battle that we face because we can't. When that truth of the gospel that Jesus has come to be our shield and defender and savior and ally and friend and rescuer, when that begins to sink in, not just into our mind, but down deep into our heart, into our reality, you know what it does? It produces joy. It produces great joy in our lives. That's true love. John 15, 13 says it this way, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. Listen, church, catch this this Christmas. Remember this. Jesus did not come to be our example. Jesus did not come just to be our example that we should follow because we could never follow in his footsteps. Jesus did things that we could never do. He conquered things that we could never conquer. He came to be our defender when we have no shield, not our example. In fact, he even came to take the deadly sting of death that we deserve, and instead of death, he gives us life, and life to the full, the scripture tells us. That's the joy of Christmas. God with us at such a profound level that he gave his very life that we might live. That's the message of Christmas this morning, church. Jesus said a lot of things. Jesus performed many miracles. In fact, Scripture says if we wrote down all that he did and said, we would fill more pages. It would fill the entire earth. There's just so much that he did. But if you want to get to the root of what Jesus did for us, it's these three simple words, but profound words, God with us. So I just want to look at those three words, and then we'll be done. God with us. God the Westminster Shorter Catechism asks the most important question, what is God? What is God? That's, we, we say that, we throw that word out a lot, all the time, right? If you're a country music star, you say it a lot. If you're thanking someone for winning a Heisman Trophy, you say it a lot. If you've uh, grown up in the Bible Belt South, you're just kind of, it's just sort of like, it's God. I don't know. It's like kind of my boys and I were watching some Star Wars. Is it kind of like the force? I don't know. Like, what, how do you really explain God? Well, the Westminster Shorter Catechism answers, gives us an answer to that question. It says this, that God is a spirit, meaning he's not like us. 
He's infinite, he's eternal, he's unchangeable in his being, he is wisdom, he is power, he is holiness, he is justice, he is goodness, and he is truth. That's God. Those are big ideas. Those are, those are like, it's hard to wrap your mind around all of that. Spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. God with us. And I think if we would admit to ourselves, there's a lot of mornings, and maybe every morning we wake up, and we see everything as being bigger than God. Our life, our problems, the day, our schedule, uh, our jobs, our friends, our family, we just, we just do. Everything in life kind of seems bigger than God, or that God, God can't handle all of this. But Church Christmas tells us that the most formidable being in the entire universe, God, who, who is defined by all those words I just said, all those massive words I just said, says that he is with you and for you now in Jesus. And he reaches out to us even today. And he's ready to save us. He's ready to serve us as a friend by his grace for his glory. And so maybe you're in here this morning and you're thinking, well, that's That's kind of good preacher talk, right? It's easy for you to say a bunch of those big words, but you know what? I just don't feel like I deserve to have God to be for me and with me. You don't know how I've lived my life. I'm not, I can't ever measure up to that. Why would that, why would God be with me? Why would God be for me? I just don't deserve it because of the life that I've lived. Well, here's the truth. Here's the truth of the scriptures. The gospel says, that God is with the undeserving. That God is with the undeserving. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to achieve it. You believe and you bring your empty hands of faith and say, God, help me. I need you, God. I need your infinite power because mine is limited. I need your infinite grace because I don't have any to give. I need your infinite worth because I don't feel worthy. And he gives it through Jesus. That's the first word, word, God. With. This is encouraging. There is not a moment where his eyes are off of you. Uh, we, we, are, we are a distracted people, aren't we? We have these little $900 screens in our pocket that are buzzing and chiming and dinging and now it's on our watches and it's pretty soon going to be embedded into our pupils or something somehow, right? And it's just the world is constantly telling us to look and be distracted and sometimes you have those moments if you're anything like me as even a father where our kids have to say, dad, dad, and you're distracted with something going on. It takes them and Ashley's like, Sean, the kids are trying to get your attention. Oh, what, what? We're distracted. We often don't hear, we often don't see. God with us is different. There's not a moment where he doesn't see you. There's not a moment where he is distracted and his eyes are off of you. He hears you. He hears your cry. He sees your need. He knows your sin and he's with you through it all. A savior is someone who is with you always, not just when you're good. The gospel, Jesus, is the opposite of Santa, right? Santa takes his eyes off you and you're naughty. He knows and he takes you off the list. The gospel is very different. 
Even in our failings, even when we've messed up, he says, I'm still for you. I'm still with you. A savior that is with you except when you sin is no savior at all. Jesus is not like that. This passage says that we read in the Advent reading in verse 21, says Jesus will save people from their sins. It does not say he will save them from ever becoming sinful. It says he will save you. He doesn't, it doesn't say he'll save you as long as you never sin. He says he's a savior of sinners. You and I, we don't deserve him. We failed him big time, but yet he comes to us. He's with us. He is with you and I. Paul says it this way in Romans 8. If God is for you, who can be against you? God gets personally involved. Listen to, listen to all these ways that God gets personally involved with us. It's the intensive pronoun where it says, he himself, listen, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace in all times and every way. The Lord himself will, def- will, will defend you from heaven and the dead in Christ shall rise. He himself does this for us personally. Jesus is personally involved with us in a deeply personal way, not just sentimentally. Christmas is very sentimental. I'm very sentimental. I love all the things. I love all the lights. I love all the decorations. I want more of it. I want it to happen sooner. Let's cancel Halloween and start Christmas early. I love it all, right? Some of you are like, what? No, Halloween's the best. But it's more than sentimentality. God is with you personally in Jesus Christ. God is with us as a people. Um, Church, maybe for you in here as we close, you think, you know, it's, it's entirely one thing to believe that God is with like a group of people. I can get on board with that. But to say he's with me and with us, I don't know. That seems difficult. But church, Christmas says this, God with us means this, that you really matter to God. We're not just pawns for him. We're not just subjects to him. He's over us, yes, but he is with us. He's with you right now. The bold claim of the gospel is that in spite of our sin, in spite of how unimpressive we are, in spite of our failings, in spite of where we've tripped and falled, that he is with you, that he really cares about you. God is not too great to pay attention to us. In fact, God is too great to forsake us. Let that sink in this Christmas season. He's not just with saintly good people. Uh, He's not just with the polished people, the popular people, the good people, the impressive people, the smart people, the influential people. He's with us. And us meaning those found in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is 100% with us. God could not love you any less. That's Christmas. So church, I'm going to pray and we're going to rejoice in that truth and that reality this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came in humility as a baby. God, that you sent your very own son to us. 
you gave him freely to us. Lord, that we do not any longer have to be alone, have to be wandering, have to not know if you are near to us, not know if you are for us. But God, this Christmas, because of Jesus, because he was born, because he came, because he lived the perfect life that we could not live and died the death that we deserved and rose again on the third day because of that very good news, we know that you are with us forever and ever and ever. And so, God, I just pray for the truth this morning that those that are found in Christ, that we would know that you care for us, that you see us. When we might feel alone, we might feel forsaken, when we might feel unworthy, the gospel says we are all unworthy, and Jesus still comes. God, for that person in this room that has never bent their knee to that royal son that was born, that was prophesied 3,000 years ago, and he came in reality, God, I pray that this Christmas would be the time where they would say, God, I don't have it all together. God, I've fallen and I've failed, but I need you as my defender and my shield. I need a savior and rescuer because I've tried on my own and I cannot do it. God, may this year, may today even, this moment, may you do what only you can do and save the undeserving. Thank you that you've done that in my life and thank you that you've done that in millions and millions of people's lives around the globe. Thank you that you are with us. We love you. We honor you. In Christ's name, amen. Church, let's stand and worship him.